the Human Rights and Equality Commission's report that's out today, um, it's a really strong and it's a really critical report. Um, you know, the Human Rights and Equality Commission is quite a sober body. They don't, uh, you know, they don't go around making wild assertions usually, but they're saying that Ireland's failure to deal with the crises we know about, so the health crisis, housing crisis, and to uh, have a, a, an actual plan to reduce poverty in the country, that those are causing violations of people's human rights. Um, we, were, we were lucky enough, you know, on a couple of pr projects that we'd worked on in Clare here, we were lucky enough to have had the opportunity to consult really widely with different community groups in Clare over the last two years um, and we had we were invited by the Human Rights and Equality Commission to contribute our input to this report of theirs today and so our input some of the things we, what we were trying to focus on in particular were the particular aspects of economic and social rights that are denied for people in rural areas because you know qu quite often these reports can be focused on the urban because the numbers are there and so, for, for example, some of the things that we fed in were about a growing digital divide and a need for the maintenance of face-to-face -face services for people in rural communities in Clare, because that's one of the things that has happened and was kind of exacerbated during COVID when everything moved online. An awful lot of people didn't move online, and also if they're excluded, whether it's through isolation, through disability, through you know poverty, if they don't have car and public transport, you know, hopping into Ennis to meet the community welfare officers extremely difficult for people are heading down for example for private health care treatment in Croom it's beyond the reach of of a lot of people and so those were the things that we fed in and we were very happy to see those reflected it was the need for community spaces face-to-face -face public services and uh, uh, an acknowledgement that the housing crisis in Ireland is not just an urban crisis that it exists in rural areas both in rental rental private and social housing and you know we're really happy that they took those things on board now while while it might seem a little bit academic you know if you're experiencing poverty out in the community in clare it might seem a little bit academic but actually this is a very good way to put pressure and hold the government to account because what happens with this is Ireland has has to present itself to the UN committee. It's it's like it's it's like it's a annual evaluation. So it's a periodic review, and this is our fourth periodic review. And so we have to present the the state of Ireland, not us, but the government has to present and say what it has done to address economic, social, and cultural issues. You know the problems, what it has done to minimise those problems since the last time it was reviewed. So the role of the report from the Human Rights and Equality Commission, it's what's called a parallel report. So the government goes in and usually they go, look, we're doing great. Look, we're doing a fine job and we're doing as much as we can with the resources that we have. Mm -hmm. But the results of the, the, the Human Rights and Equality Commission's report then goes in to give civil society, human rights organisations and community groups view on how the government has been doing. So it's basically like the the personal report card from the government followed by the report card from all the affected communities now wh usually what happens is you know it's a very slow process but usually what happens is the once the the un issues its findings of the periodic review the state will have to demonstrate what measures it's taken to address the issues that are raised you know those issues that are accepted so it's it seems quite remote but it is a good it is a good part of leverage you know it's part of the systems of checks and balances and, and you say Sarah, that this will put pressure on the government but will it not be the case that the government will present themselves and say well we rolled out this scheme and that scheme and nothing may potentially come from it 
Uh, it, it, that certainly can that certainly can happen. But you know, in in general, in general, people you you know, in general, they've had to put measures in place. Now, that's not to say that suddenly they're going to build you know mountains of social housing and so on. But for example, on 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 certain specific things like you know, say say if we were talking about cultural rights, they they've been held very strongly to account. The state has been held very strongly to account on the matter of travellers' rights in in Ireland, their rights to culturally appropriate accommodation, and you can be sure they're going to be grilled on that you know it, it's not like the UN is the teacher it's like other countries get to ask questions of Ireland uh, at this so people you know people who've who, who have used other measures will be asking questions of Ireland now that that's so you know every time they're criticized they nearly need to introduce something that aims to address it so it gives a window it gives a window and it generally gives a, a, a resources going to the issues that are identified now it's not I wouldn't you know it's not a magic wand and like no policy, no policy issue is a magic wand. And also we have a democratic process here in Ireland that we have to go through as well. You know, people have to vote for certain governments and so on. But it definitely does. First of all, this is a really critical report. So what I would say is IREC are not happy with the government on this. I'm Now, they, they, they'll have to speak for themselves, but that's my reading of their report, is that they're very much not happy. They're not happy around the rights of people with disabilities. They're not happy around the availability of care, particularly in rural areas. Absolutely not happy about health uh, and housing. And, you know, those are things, those are things that we raised and people all over Clare raised with us, you know, issues in accessing a doctor, the problems in UL, that uh, University Hospital Limerick that we see today, you know, the fact that nobody can get on a dentist list, the, you, you know, and uh, the fact of people with disabilities living in nursing homes for elderly people because of the lack of community care. So these were the type of things that people were raising. And like, we're, we're really happy because we, we wouldn't have been able to feed into this report had we not done that work so we're, we're happy to see it we won't be leaving it there obviously we'll be trying to lobby everybody who's running for the next election to say look these have to be your priorities and so on but it is one you know i, I suppose it's one if you it, it, it's one tool in our toolbox for pressuring and this you know it's quite quite an official one so mm -hmm. you know while it does seem remote it is worth the time and i think you know i think it's probably in a way, it's a testament to the work that communities put in all around Clare that they do feature in it. I see, I see the the reports are are quoted eight times in the report that I read today. I just did a word search on it. So, so, so we have, you know, Clare people have fed into this. So it's uh, at at least it's another forum in which the views of people who experience poverty or experience social isolation are are being heard. And you've mentioned the services there that people in Clare have difficulty uh, accessing healthcare, dental services, services, etc. But looking at those main areas of housing and homelessness, what are the specific mm -hmm. challenges in your experience and, and based on the work that you've done that people in Clare face around those, whether it be to do with scarcity or even the location of available housing in the county? Sure. I, I mean, I'd like the, the we have, okay. So we have a lower level of social housing in County Clare per head of population than than is the national average, right? So now, now that's not to say that the national average is adequate. We know it's not. That's on social housing. Then we have another. You know, as a as a county that has a focus on tourism, we have an issue where we have a large vacancy level in the county alongside a lack of housing available to rent in the private market, right? Now, some of those things, you know, those, those that ground is well trod on. Some of that is to do with Airbnb and short-term lettings. Some of it is to do with, you know, that the houses that are vacant are not in suitable areas uh, for people to live. And, you know, it's also to do with the growing population. Really, really, we need, you know, really, we need an increase in 
social housing in Clare, social affordable and cost rental housing in Clare, like the state needs to underpin the housing market much more strongly than it's doing. And we can, we, you know, we can say that quite clearly because we have a growing population in Clare, you know, it was, uh, I think 7.7% increase. And at that, some of that was driven by, you know, people remote working in COVID. The, an increased population is a really good thing for Clare, but it's not good for us if we can't back it up with the services that people need there. And one of the problems with that is that the people who are already experiencing exclusion tend to be the ones who lose out, right? And so that's, so say, I'm just going to say, say you're a single parent and you're in receipt of a HAP payment, you start to become the least attractive tenant for someone with a rental property in Clare, if you're competing between people who are remote working and moving back for a lifestyle choice, if you're competing between, say, say you know, uh, highly paid seasonal uh, Airbnb accommodation, you, you start to become the least attractive tenant. And that's, that's, that's the issue. That's why the state has to underpin it. It cannot leave rights to the, it kind of leaves people's basic rights to the private market. And that's, you know, that's not saying that there's not a role for the private market. Of course there is. But the state has to underpin, the state has to guarantee rights at the base of the market. And that's, you know, that's true in healthcare. It's true in care settings. It's true. It may not be, just to say, for example, it may not be profitable for someone to offer a care service in the remote areas of Clare. But that actually doesn't matter. If a person is living in those areas of Clare and needs care, then the state needs to underpin that. You know, at the moment, what at the moment what's happening? There's difficulty in recruitment. There's you know charitable organisations stepping into the breach, or there's poor working conditions. And so those are you know those are the kind of things that are experienced in rural counties. And I, just just one other thing that I, I want to say is that we have. You know, we're not a federation. So Ireland's not a federation. We have a central government and a central tax system. So the, the, the role of the government is the redistribution of wealth, right? So that's the taxation is the, the, the money everybody else pays. And in, in redistributing that wealth, at the moment, we are finding the circumstance that people's human rights are denied to them in certain areas because the wealth is not redistributed significantly to their area. And by that, that sounds sounds complicated, but it's not, it's not actually that complicated. It basically say, say if you're in a, an area of Clare, right? You're not in Alaska, you know what I mean? You're not behind some huge mountain range. You're, you're, you're probably at, at, at almost any point in Clare, you're probably around about three hours from our capital city. It should be absolutely possible for a functioning state to guarantee the basic, and uh, human rights are a minimum basic, so to, to guarantee the minimum basic rights of people in all areas of Ireland, even if you took, you know, even if you took Donegal, the furthest reaches of Donegal, you know, people's rights should be guaranteed in these areas as well. It's not, you know, it's not just a lifestyle choice that people are living in rural areas. There's no way that people in rural areas of Ireland could, can afford to suddenly all migrate to the cities and if they did there would be a further problem so therefore the rights have to be provided where people are and that's what we hope this that, that's what we we hope that this report while it deals with a lot of other things it's also tackling that it's just saying that as a person living in a wealthy country like Ireland your economic social and cultural rights should be guaranteed wherever you live and that's remembering you know that's not everything you ever dreamed of that's all you need to live a, a, a life where, where the basic necessities are available to you. And just finally, Sarah, it's easy to look upon something like this with a degree of cynicism and wonder exactly what it will mean or, or what potential benefit it will translate into. How confident are you that this will, I suppose, affect some sort of positive change? 
Um, well, I, I think it's part, you know, I think it's certainly part of the, it's part of building pressure on the government for the changes we are on, uh, on this government and on any incoming government um, for that the changes that we need, you know, they need to be addressed. I've, we've had, a, we've had a, I, I suppose we've had a, 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 a time in Ireland. We've had, you know, we've had 25 years of, of extremely fast change. And, you know, while we can make certain allowances around that, it's time now for our state to have adequate services for all the people who live in it and those who want to, who might want to migrate here. Now, this is only right, you know, how I'm not hopeful that the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission's report is going to fix all of these things. But I do think it's like we're, we're nailing up a big board and this is one of the nails in it. You know, it certainly is there. You know, they're an authority. The UN uh, committee, we're signed up, we're signatories to the Convention on Economic and uh, uh, Social and Cultural Rights. And so therefore we have to answer, We the state has to answer to it. So I don't think it'll solve the problem, but I think it definitely helps to build the pressure. And the other thing, it also helps, you know, at the time, if you look at, we're coming into three different election cycles here at the moment. So local government, uh, local government, the EU elections, and then at some point in the quite near future, a general election. So this report being out now, we should be feeding the, those concerns from this report, we should be using this report to back it up to say, you know, it's not just someone complaining in Clare that's saying this, it's also the Human Rights and Equality Commission based on their research and findings, you know, so that's that's what it helps, helps us advocate for what we need. And, you know, for those, there's lots of people that we know intending to run for election for the first time and new parties challenging. They should familiarise themselves with this report because this is what, you know, when people are, when they're on the doorsteps and people are talking to them about issues, these are the issues. We know they are the issues. You know, it's like, you know, where's the place in uh, in school for my child? Where's the health service for, you know, where's what my child with scoliosis? When can he get the services that he needs? And, and those, those are the things, those are the election issues. But this is a more systemic way of approaching them. So, like, ideally, that that's what we'd like to see happening with it. Um, we, uh, the, 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 you know, the state will find itself under pressure when it's presenting with, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, that's a good thing. It's not, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not in any particular political party or anything like that, but it is a really good thing because as long as people are existing in corners of Ireland without their most basic rights being met, then anyone who is the government should be under pressure about that. And this is just one part of that pressure.